0: Now, I wonder, for you, how well you feel known by those around you. How well known do you feel by the people around you? I wonder to what extent you feel seen by those around you. Maybe you're someone who very much wears a heart on their sleeve. You're a kind of extreme verbal processor, happily sharing everything you are with anyone who will listen. And consequently, you feel there are definitely people that that know you pretty well. I see a few nervous nods and laughter here. But maybe for you, Ashley, you're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Maybe you find it difficult to trust people and to let people in. Maybe you feel that you've kind of shown a part of yourself or perhaps a certain side of yourself. But in fact, there's a lot that remains hidden in you because you maybe fear rejection of people, if only they knew the, the true you. Or maybe you feel like there are people that you, you thought really knew you, but then where were they when you went through that breakup or that family situation? Where were they when you were in a time of extreme anxiety or facing a particular health struggle? At the time that you really needed support, who was it, that really saw you? Now, wherever you fall on that spectrum, I think that for the last couple of years, we've all had to journey with this to some degree, working out who the people are around us that really know us, know what we're going through, are there for us. Certainly, I found that as the lockdowns hit and kind of inevitably you don't really see anyone, then there were some people that I was fairly close to and I thought knew me quite well, just kind of fell away, um, disappeared from the scene, quite naturally, really. But I think after several months, you, you realize there's been no communication at all, and you start to think, what was that friendship really built on? And I'm sure there, there would be people that would have been asking the same question about me in that time, too. But it causes us to ask ourselves, who are the people that really know me? Who are the ones who care? Do people really see me, or are they oblivious to the things that I'm facing? Well, this letter tells us, God knows you. He says this to a church that is really going through it. They are impoverished, afflicted from all sides, persecuted to the point of being imprisoned and even to death. And to them, he says, these are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your afflictions and your poverty. I know the slander you face. Now this was a church that was facing a heavy degree of persecution. So a lot of this was coming from the fact that they were living in a Roman culture that demanded worship of Caesar. And as Christians who worship one Lord, they didn't do that. But um, the Jewish people at the time, in this location, we given a kind of religious freedom to be able to carry on worshipping Yahweh. But I think we're feeling sort of threatened by this sort of new Christian group on the scene. And so they were sort of handing over Christians to the Roman authorities as people that didn't worship Caesar, that refused to do that. And so the Christians were being punished and put to death as a result of this. And this persecution sort of led to looting in their houses, which led to their poverty, and also this letter talks a little bit about their imprisonment as a part of the persecution they're facing. This at the time wouldn't just have been kind of restorative justice, but it was more imprisonment f- when facing a trial or imprisonment before death. So it's a heavy, heavy level of persecution that they've faced. That is what they're going through. And to them, Jesus says, I know your afflictions. I know the slander you face, the persecution you face. He sees their trial, their situation. He knows it. And he affirms that they are seen and they are known. In other words, they're not alone. He's not far away. He's not forgotten them. He sees them, and he is with them. And the same is true for you and for me. God, the infinite creator God, sees you. He knows what you are going through. He knows the trials you face, the difficulties you find yourself in. He knows the battle that you are in. You are seen by him and precious to him. He is not far away and he has not forgotten you. Psalm 34 verse 18 says that, God is near to the broken-hearted and saved the crushed in spirit. He is near to you and he wants to journey with you and pour out his love upon you. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is El Roy, which means the God who sees me. And this name comes from the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. Some of you may know it. It's, uh, Hagar was a woman in a desperate situation. She was a slave who was forced to sleep with her master Abraham in order to bear him a son. And then when she became pregnant, she was mistreated by her mistress to the point of having to flee from that house. And after she had fled, the Lord came and met her in her despair, and he said to her in Genesis 16 verse 11, You're now pregnant, and you'll give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard of your misery. And in verse 13, we're told that Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I've seen the one who sees me. Hagar saw the one, saw the Lord who sees her through and through, who hears her distress answers her in her time of need. Jesus is the God who hears our distress. He's the God who sees us in our trial. We can take confidence that we are not alone, for we have a God who knows us, who hears us when we cry to him, who is for us. He knows our inmost thoughts, and he really, truly sees us. I had a bit of an epiphany while thinking about this the other night. It was, it was either that or it was a delirious moment, but we'll, we'll hope it was the former. And um, I was putting my little boy to bed, and I was reading a book to him that we have called uh, God Knows All About Me. Maybe you, if I hold it in the right place, you'll be able to see a bit. I won't read it all, as, as deep a book as it is, but there's um, a couple of snippets just to give you the gist of it. So, from my head to my toes... From my knees to my nose, God knows all about me. From my bottom to my belly, when I'm sweet and when I'm smelly, God knows all about me. I mean, it's it's sweet stuff, isn't it? Come on. But then finally, this, this bit, I got to the end of the book and I had a little epiphany. It says, from the beginning to the end, God will always be my friend. God knows all about me deep theological stuff I'm reading these days and I just thought as I read that last line, that's it that is what Jesus is saying to the church in Smyrna clearly this book was meant to unpack that scripture for one year olds it's pretty much the same but um, yeah I read that and I just thought, the letter to the church in Smyrna it comes from Jesus who we read in verse 8 is the first and the last who died and came to life he is the first and the last the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus, who was there before the world began, created the world and created you and me so that we might be in a relationship with him so that we could know his friendship. From the beginning to the end, God will always be my friend. God knows all about me. Jesus is the first and the last. He's sovereign over history. He's in control. And he knows all about us. He knows what we're going through. He sees us when we are lost. He sees where we're at. And he offers to walk with us through all of it. To know his friendship, his companionship, his love as we journey through thick and thin. God sees you. God knows you. Knows all about you. He walks alongside you, befriending you, comforting you, and strengthening you through the trials. And all of that is so that we can grow closer to him. A couple of weeks ago, Stephen was sharing with us around the theme of trials and was exhorting us to not waste our trial. Don't waste your trial. Because the the truth of the Christian life is that God doesn't remove us from the trials that we face. Christianity is not a promise of religion where we are lifted out of all difficulty. Rather, in fact, we guarantee that we will face trials. We will face tricky situations, persecution. But we are guaranteed the presence and the strength of God when we go through them. They are an amazing time to grow closer to God. So often you hear of Christians in persecution around the world, and when you think they would be struggling and on their last legs in their faith, rather they are flourishing and they know a nearness and intimacy with God that is far greater than we experience in our um, relative comfort here in the West. And as we journey through the trials, we can take comfort in the fact that when we say God. Knows about our situation. This isn't just a sort of knowledge in his mind. He doesn't, it's not just like he's heard about what we're going through secondhand. God knows experientially. He has gone through it before us. Hebrews 4 tells us that since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus knows you, he sees you, but it's not just in his, in his head or from a distance, he empathizes with you we have a high priest who empathizes with our weakness he experienced poverty afflictions rejection and slander from his own people who betrayed him to death and therefore he could empathize and encourage this church in Smyrna through what they faced and likewise, for, for you and whatever it is that you're facing, whether that's a trial you're going through now or something down the line, we have a high priest who's been tempted in every way. Ours is a God who did not stay far off from the brokenness of this world. He didn't keep at arm's length from, the, from his sort of comfort and in eternal glory in heaven. Instead, God and the person of jesus entered into our world of pain he entered into our suffering our brokenness our hurt he limited himself in order to sympathize with our weakness to sympathize with those he came to save and experience the trials that we go through and jesus was faithful even to death to death on a cross he doesn't just remove us from the trial He walks through it with us. And this death wasn't the end for him. He rose to eternal life, which he offers us. God sees you. God knows you. He hears your distress. He is near to you. He is always faithful. And he loves you. You may feel I've, I've hammered home this point enough tonight, but I just really feel there are some people who need to hear this sort of again and again until it sinks in. God sees you, and he knows what you are going through. Sometimes I think when we're in that position of desperate need, that is what we most need to know. We need to know that there is somebody who sees us. And that is the Lord. He sees you and he knows you. That's the first point. The second is much, much shorter. But God sees you. What is our response? We are to be faithful to him, is what this passage goes on to say. So here Jesus warns the church in Smyrna of the extent of the persecution they are going to face. And then he gives them this instruction, but with it a promise. Jesus says, be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. That is our response to him. Faithfulness to the one who is faithful to us. We're to be faithful to him in whatever we go through. Faithful until the end of our life. And to those who are faithful, Jesus gives the crown of life. He gives eternal life. And glory with our Father in heaven to those who trust in him. And this is through whatever we face, whether it, things are going swimmingly or whether that is in trials, because the trials are not a time for us to turn away from God to other things. That's so often the temptation. We, we face a trial and we think, God, this, this doesn't sound like li- life to the full that I feel like you've offered me. Maybe something else is the answer to finding that. But the trials are a time to knuckle down and be faithful to the Lord. And in so doing, grow so much closer to God. We see this with the church here. God says to them, I know your poverty, though you are rich. This is a church that materially were poor, but spiritually they are flourishing. The exalted Christ called them rich because, in other words, in spite of all the affliction you're going through, you have spiritual riches beyond your wildest dreams. And in most of these letters, the the churches are rebuked for kind of doing X or Y, but not this church. They're just commended and encouraged. And that's because despite their trials, despite the fact they face persecution, even to the point of death, they're remaining faithful. And these things, far from being something that tears them apart from God, are strengthening that relationship with him and drawing them closer to the Lord. So for you tonight, maybe just ask yourself these questions. In whatever situations you find yourselves in, are you being faithful to God? If you're going through a trial at the moment, is it him that you're placing your trust in? Or are you trying to lean on other things or other people or different things to sort of try and numb that that pain or difficulty? Are there any ways in which you're compromising on your faithfulness to God in order to make your trial easier? God promises the crown of life to those who are faithful, to those who are victorious in this, He gives a crown, eternal life, in the presence of God forever. They will not taste the second death, this says. They will rather live in eternity with their creator and the lover of their souls. So God sees you. God knows you. He knows what you are going through. He is near to you. And let's be faithful to him. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, Owen is going to come and lead us in receiving communion together. Lord Jesus, I just come to you now with whatever it is that I'm carrying. Maybe you're here and you feel totally in the midst of trial, you feel like you're really in a battle. And you've been wondering where God is in that. And tonight, just know that he sees you. You're not um, unnoticed by everyone. You're not falling through the cracks. He sees you and he is near to you. He knows what you face. And Father, we just ask that we might receive you now as we come to your table, as we come to receive communion and remember your death for us. We pray that we would receive your grace, receive your love, your strength, your power, and that you would be drawing us closer to yourself through this time. Amen.